You are listening to an audio sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel, York Region. For more information, visit harvestyorkregion.ca. Well, good morning. Let's get our Bibles out this morning and turn to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3 as we uh, launch into the last message in our 5G series. Um, 5G, the distinctives of an authentic follower. Um, Distinctives, what makes us different, authentic, what makes us an undisputed original, not a fake. So I was trying to think about how could I uh, demonstrate that today about being authentic. And so I came up with some things. I, uh, I found my birth certificate, born September 3rd, 1958. Yes, I am that old. Um, and I have it. When I got mine, it was plasticized. And so I still have it. And maybe it will last until I go to heaven. But that's all you had back in 1958. Now you had your birth certificate. If I go to Costco, I got to prove that I'm authentic there. And I got my picture on the back of my card. And um, if you don't have one of these, you're not shopping at Costco. I don't get any royalties from Costco for that. If uh, you go to the hospital or go to the doctor, you need to uh, have your health card and it's got your picture on it. And uh, it says you are who you say you are. And when you see the lights in your back window and you pull over and the policeman comes up beside your car, not that I've ever experienced that, at least not on a regular basis, um, uh, you ask you for this and uh, it's got your picture on it. And um, it kind of demonstrates this is who I am. I, who, I am who I say I am. And then if I ever want to leave the country or get out of the country and come back in, I have to have my passport. And uh, all of those things say I am Paul Whittingstall and I belong at some level. They say that I'm authentic. <clears throat> what is it that demonstrates we are authentic when it comes to the Lord Jesus Christ. And we've been taking a look at the 5G series. And really, the first G was the main one. It's all about glorifying. And I believe the other ones flow out of that. And uh, But when we get our focus right on glorifying, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God, right? Or the Westminster Catechism that says that chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Um, That's really the main thing, keeping the main thing the main thing. But but then there's these other G's that have come out and uh, we took a look at growing, living out grace. Uh, We looked last week about being generous and today we want to take a look at the topic of of being grateful. And, And what's the foundation to truly be grateful or thankful people when it comes to our walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. So I trust you've got your Bibles open now. Let's stand together. I want to read from God's word. We want to honor him as we read his word. Let's start at verse 1, and I'm going to read down to the end of verse 17. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on the things that are above, not on the things that are on the earth. For you have died And your life is hidden with Christ and God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these you too once walked when you were living in them. But now you must put them all away, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices, and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. 
Here there is no Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. And above all of these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual psalms with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for the amazing privilege that we have to uh, come to a place like this and gather as the body of Jesus Christ to worship you. We worship you, Almighty God. There is none like you. Father, our desire is to see you glorified. And as we've looked in this series, uh, Lord, that's the foundation piece, the glory of who you are, how amazing you are, how you transcend everything that we even could imagine or think about you. And so, Lord, as we look at your word today, I pray, God, that you would open us, open our minds to listen, give us ears to hear, give us minds to understand, and hearts, God, to respond to your word as your spirit works in us. Do a work in this place in our hearts today. The only way we will explain it is look what the Lord has done. Guide us through your word for your glory. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks. You can take your seats. Well, you might ask the question, um, Pastor Paul, you went through a lot of verses before you got to thankfulness in that text. It was in verse um, 15 before the first thankful happens. And uh, I'll tell you why. I believe that if we don't get the foundation pieces right, we really don't understand gratitude and being grateful people. And so the rest of the text is important because when we get it right, when we get the foundation right, uh, then we get to the right place as it comes to uh, being thankful, being people of God who are filled with gratitude. So the first thing we want to look at in the message entitled Grateful is this, a right relationship, a right relationship. If you're going to be a grateful person, we have to understand who we're grateful to and what we're grateful for. And it really starts with a right relationship. Look at uh, verse one, if... If then you have been raised with Christ. So often the little words are important words and we shouldn't just let them go by too quickly. If you then have been raised with Christ. If. Have you? Have you been raised with Christ? Uh, Romans 6 talks about being buried with him in baptism and raised to newness of life, which, which is the picture of what uh, the Lord has done for us uh, back over probably one page in your Bibles to uh, Colossians chapter 2, verses 12 to 14. Having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses, by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. 
This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and the authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them. If then you have been raised with Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ came. We remember on Good Friday, we came and we thought about and we um, remembered the death of Jesus Christ hanging on a cross to make the payment for us. And we came together on the weekend, on Saturday night and Sunday here at the church, and we had a party. Woohoo! He is, he is alive. He is risen from the dead. If then you have been raised with Christ, if, if, have you been? Have you been raised with Christ? It's the most important question you'll ever answer in your entire life because if you get this wrong, you get it all wrong. If you get it wrong, you'll stand at the gates of glory one day and God will say, sorry, I never knew you. And you'll spend eternity separated from God in a place that he calls hell. If, do you know him? Have you put your faith in Jesus Christ alone for your salvation? Do you understand what was accomplished for us when Christ died and paid the price? It, it overwhelms me when I think about it that all of my sin, all of it, and believe me, there's lots, all of it, all of it in the past, all of it today, all of it for the future, all of it was put on him, all of it. Think about that in your life. Think about the last couple days in your life. Think about when you came before the Lord this week and confessed some things and asked him to forgive you. And once again, once again, put on him all of your sin. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. And as God looks at you, all of his righteousness is put on you because of who Jesus Christ is and what he has done for you. If then you have been raised with Christ you've never trusted the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, you are not raised with him. You're, you're trying to get there through your good works. You're trying to get there through what you're doing. You're trying to get there on your path, and your path is going to lead you to destruction, separation from God, if then you have been raised with Christ. The Bible says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved. All have sinned, fall short of the glory of God, none righteous, no, not one. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father. There is no other way. No man comes to the Father except by me. If then, you have been raised with Christ. And if you haven't, you can believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, just as the scripture says, and you can be saved today. If. A right relationship but if you have, and I trust that's by far most of the people who are in the room, and you've put your faith in Jesus Christ, some things for us to realize, we've been raised with him. After the resurrection, Jesus left the tomb, and so should we. We don't live there anymore. We are forgiven. We are alive. We don't wallow in our sin. We don't have to uh, struggle in the past and in the when we were dead to. Now we are alive in the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ left the tomb and he lived out for the Father's glory. You were dead in your trespasses and sins and he made you alive. And so we don't live in the tomb anymore. We aren't dead anymore. Now we live for the glory of God. 
After his resurrection, Jesus left the tomb and so should we. After his resurrection, Jesus spent time being with, ministering to, and serving his disciples. And we are called to those same things. If you are in Christ, you are a new creation. The old is gone. The new is come. It's time for us now in a right relationship to be out there, to be involved, to be serving, to be encouraging, to be spurring one another on, to be discipling each other, each other because we are in a right relationship. And after his resurrection, Jesus looked forward to heaven. He couldn't wait to get there. Uh, Forty days later, he was gone, and he went to heaven. And the moment you trusted Jesus Christ, that's when eternal life started. It doesn't start when you get to heaven. It starts when you trust Christ. But we look forward to something that's going to be so awesome when we will be with the Father and we will be with him in heaven. And just as the Lord was looking forward to that, we need to be looking forward to that because we are in a a right relationship with him. A right relationship. The next, next thing we want to see is that we need to be people of God with a right resolve. A right resolve. Look at the next part of verse one. Seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. We need to be people who are seeking after the things that are above. We continually get caught up in the things of this world. We get continually get caught up in the things that we want. We continually get caught up in the things of today. And we need to be so future glory looking people. It doesn't mean that we're so heavenly, we're no earthly good. We have to live in this world and we have to be faithful in this world. But here in the text, he tells us to seek after the things that are above. Seek after the things that bring glory to God. Seek after the things that would honor the Lord Jesus Christ. With a right resolve, we seek after. Look what it says. Seek the things that are above. Where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. At the seat of authority is where he sits. And he's sitting there making intercession for you and making intercession for me. And here I am seeking to be the pastor of your church and leading and all the rest. And hey, I'm dead in the water in one minute except for the fact that the Holy Spirit of God and Jesus Christ and God the Father, they're all for me. They're all for me. And the Lord Jesus Christ is making intercession for me. And he makes intercession for you. In a right relationship, seek the things that are above. Be careful how attached you become to the things that are down here kind of things because they're all going away. None of it's going with us. He says, seek. A right resolve, seek. The next thing he says is in verse two, he says, set your minds. Set your minds. The word seek speaks of aspiration and desire and passion. In order to seek these things, we must have our minds set on them. We must have our minds set on them. Set your minds on things that are above, not on the things of the earth. Get our eyes fixed on them. It refers to a pursuing a deeper knowledge of who God is and seeking after, seeking after, seeking after. Why? Because my mind is set on this. The word of God is true. The work of God is true. The things of God are true. Those are set in my mind. Seek and set Look at verses three and four. It talks about amazing security that we have for for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is your life appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. What an amazing hope there is for those who are followers of Jesus Christ. Those who who have made that commitment and now seek and sat. 
Paul said in Philippians 1, for me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Well, then he gets into some things that are a little more difficult for us. He tells us to put to death some things, and then we're going to put on some things, and we're going to kind of look at two different sides of a coin here. And if you want to write anything down this morning, uh, write this down. What you feed wins. What you feed wins. And we're going to take a look at some things that we're to deal with, and we're looking at some things that are to be a part of us, and I'm here to tell you what you feed in your life every day, that's what will win. And he starts off in verse 4, he says, put to death, therefore, whatever is earthly in you. Put it to death. Put it to death. He's going to give us a list of things, and it's not like you can just stick a knife in it and it goes away. It's going to be what you feed. What you feed. And if you want to kill these things in your life, stop giving them fresh air. You want to put a fire out? Take away the oxygen. You want to put somebody down? Stop feeding them. And we give a lot of things oxygen in our lives, and we feed things in our lives. And the Bible's saying, as followers of Jesus Christ, if you're then risen with Christ, seeking and setting, it's time to, it's time to put these things to death. It's not a light word, it's a heavy word. It means to make dead, not just trying to suppress it, but rather passionately seeking to wipe it out. But I'm here to tell you, if you let it breathe, if you keep feeding it, it won't be dead. It won't be dead. He says, uh, put to death, put to death. Uh, here's the list that he gives. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Put to death a sexual immorality. The word is porneia. It's where we get our word pornography. Uh, specifically, they were talking about sex outside of marriage. Saying, put it to death. Stop it. But the word is broader than that. It's not just about sex outside of marriage. It's about all the trappings that go with it. And hey, in our world, it's massive. You won't get through the end of today, probably, without seeing something that you shouldn't see. It shouldn't be a part of your life. And you can't help that. You can be watching a television program and a commercial comes on. It's like, ah, that's not good for me. Um, but what do you do with it? Do you give it oxygen in your life? Do you feed it in your life? He says, put these things to death. Put them to death. Put away sexual immorality. All kinds of sexual activity that are outside of marriage. Put away impurity. Really taking it a little further, a wider range of meaning than just fornication, but it includes the misuse of sex. Put away passions that are running free in us. If you are then raised with Christ, seek the things that are above. Set your mind on. Stop feeding it. Stop giving it oxygen and it'll die. But as long as we keep feeding it, as long as we keep giving it oxygen, it will never die. Put away passions. Put away evil desires. Wanting what is not mine to have. 
And then he goes on and he talks about covetousness. And, and put to death covetousness, which is idolatry. Three ways that covetousness is terrible for us. It's destructive for us. Uh, first of all, it says right in the text, it's idolatry. It's focuses on possessions rather than on a righteous relationship with God. It's seeing things and wanting things and coveting them. It's idolatry. Covetousness is a problem because it's also a sin against other people. Because you satisfy the desire, others are wronged. Put away, put to death, starve it, stop giving it oxygen. And then finally, it's self-destructive for the wrong focus and activities always lead to my own undoing. Paul says to these people, if you're raised with Christ, seek the things that are above. Set your mind Set your mind on the things that are feeding the things that are righteous and pure and holy. I don't know why he picked that list of things, but it sure is appropriate in 2015. He could have picked some other things, I'm sure, had he chosen to, but he chose those things, and so we need to be instructed by them. But whatever the sin is for you, wherever that weakness is for you, wherever the, the evil one has a foothold for you in your life, you just think back and you'll go, hmm, I remember how I gave it oxygen. I remember how I fed it. And I know why I'm not winning in this area. God being your helper, you can have victory in that. God being my helper, I can have victory in these things. If you give it oxygen and you feed it, it will not die. But we're told to put these things to death in our lives. Look what he says in verse 6. On account of these things, the wrath of God is coming. This is not fooling around stuff. God's judgment is coming. It's coming on the earth. And we will be saved by his grace because of his goodness. But the wrath of God is coming. He says, in these, you too once walked you and you are living in them. These were the normal things for you. It's just what you did. We shouldn't expect the world would do anything different from these things because it's the way they walk. It's what they understand. It's fine for them. They don't understand what the problem is. They don't understand that that has become their God. That has become their glory. And the Lord Jesus Christ is not who he should be. He is not on the throne. He is not the one who gets the glory. God help us. God help us to flee from those things. We used to walk in those things. According even to the text, we still struggle with them, but we don't have to be defeated by them anymore. God being my helper, no more feeding this. No more giving it oxygen in my life. Seek, set, put off. Well, if that wasn't enough, he goes on and he says, put them all away. Because maybe those things aren't your things. And he goes on, put them all away. And these ones might be considered as kind of a social sins. A things that maybe um, they're not as blatant, they're not as obvious. And hey, if these things in your life, they get ratcheted right up there with the other ones. He says, uh, put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth. 
I put them all away. Anger is a settled attitude of hostility. We're not talking about be angry and don't sin. We're not talking about righteous indignation. We're not standing for the glory of God in this verse. And my anger is because God's name is being taken down because God's work is being done. We're not talking about that. It's talking about that anger problem that you have. And as a matter of fact, you like it. You like it. It's kind of like, they're getting what they deserve. I deserve to have these feelings and I kind of like it. Put it away, the Bible says. Put it away. Uh, who are you angry against? Are you angry against them? Maybe, God forbid, you're angry against God. He says, put it away. Quit feeding it. Quit giving it oxygen. Put it away. But, 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 but you don't know. Can you imagine the, the right? God has the right to be angry at you. And he sets it aside because of the finished work of Jesus Christ. Put away anger. Put away wrath. That means a verbal outburst of evil. Put away malice. It's ill will. It's a vicious disposition that results in the hurt of someone's neighbor. Put away malice. Put away slander. It refers to insulting or injury, injurious or malicious speech in general. Just put it away. It doesn't equal who we are in Jesus Christ. Stop feeding it. Stop giving it oxygen. Put it away. And he has one more. He says, put away obscene talk. Put away obscene talk. Lots of people I know, lots of people who live on our street, they, they can't get a sentence out without an expletive in it. Um, that shouldn't be the way we are defined. It shouldn't be the way we are defined as followers of Jesus Christ. Like, clean up your potty mouth. Put away obscene talk. Stop it. It doesn't honor the Lord. Put it away. But even more than that, I hear it in the church probably as much as I hear it outside of the church, although I haven't done the scientific study on it. But if I hear one more, oh my God, from somebody in the church who isn't on their knees before the Lord, I think my head's going to explode it's obscene that we talk to, about God like that. We throw all my gods around like there's just everyday language. God is in heaven. You are on earth, the Bible says. Let your words be few. And the next time you use the Lord's name, make sure you use the Lord's name to lift him up. Don't use it as a word you can stick at the end of a sentence. Note to self. Put it away. He goes on in verse 9, he says, put off. So he says, put to death, put away. In verse 9, he says, uh, put off. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self. It's gone from you. You're not like this anymore. You're not giving it oxygen. You're not giving it food. Put it off. Put off what? Put off lying. Put off lying. Tell the truth. We lie in all kinds of ways. English is an amazing language because you can say one thing with your lips and with your tone, you can be saying something else. You'd be saying one thing with your lips and the way you roll your eyes is saying something else. Put off lying. Somebody said to me one time, I love this and it's helpful for me. When you always tell the truth, you don't have to remember what you said. When you always tell the truth, you don't have to remember what you said. Watch people when you're talking to them. Watch yourself when people ask you questions. Are you thinking, what did I say last week about this? 
Or what did I say to that person that that could come around to bite me before this is over? Put off lying. Tell the truth. If you find yourself having to think about what you said because of how that could come back to you, you got a problem. A follower of Jesus Christ, if you then be risen with Christ, seek after the things that are above, set your mind on these things, and put this away in your life. Well, the text doesn't stop there, thankfully. It goes on, he talks about some things to put on. Put on. Dealt with the put off, now he says, put on. Put on the new self, verses 10 and 11. And having put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is no Greek and Jew, circumcised, uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. I love the fact that we have a church where Everybody just comes in the room. You sit beside whoever you sit beside. If you give an extra amount of money, you don't get to sit in the front row. If you don't give enough money, you don't sit in the back row. If you're, uh, if you're um, Asian, you don't sit over here. And if you're black, you don't sit over here. And if you're Greek, well, they sit wherever they want. But if you're, uh, if you're a Filipino, you're not stuck in a corner somewhere. There is none of that. It's all gone in Jesus Christ. We are one in Christ. And so he tells us now, being one in Christ and just looking out across this room and seeing the mix and God's working and all of the rest of it, um, we, don't have, we don't have racial divide, national divide, cultural divide, social distinctions. We are one. He says, put on the new self, one body in Christ. Here's some things to go for. Here's the oxygen. Here's the food. Go for these things. As a follower of Jesus Christ, he says, put on compassion. Put on compassion. Show sensitivity to those suffering and in need. Show sensitivity to those who are suffering and those who are in need. Put on some compassion. Don't just talk about it. It's not just a goal to go for. Actually do it. Who have you shown compassion to? Someone who had a need and you came alongside of them. Compassion. Show kindness. As a follower of Jesus Christ, be kind. It shows itself in a God-honoring but a sweet disposition. Thoughtful, interpersonal dealings with people. Showing kindness. It doesn't mean we don't speak the truth. It doesn't mean we don't tell them what they need to hear. It talks about how we do it. And when people think of you, do they think you as a kind person? Do they think you as a, as a, um, a compassionate person? Would be those the words that would describe you? Or would they be the words we looked at before, like anger and... And those would be the words that describe you. What are you feeding? What are you giving oxygen to? Next thing he says is that we are, to, uh, we are to put on humility. Humility is having a realistic view of yourself. I'm never writing the book, Humility, How I Got It and How You Can Attain It Too, right? Humility is the attribute in your life that when you think you've got it, you've lost it. So put on humility. 
Humility is more and more understanding who I am in light of who Jesus Christ is. Understanding that God is doing in his church is not because of me, it's because of God. He works and he works through us and he uses faithful people and he grows his church. When God is growing your business, God is working through you. Don't you become high and haughty and you think you're on the throne of these things. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. He will exalt you. He will lift you up in his time, in his way. Put on compassion, put on kindness, put on humility, put on meekness or gentleness, not behaving harshly with people. It's easy when you get to church, you get here for this service and you've, you've been in the car all the way here and you get here and now it's time for meekness and gentleness, but that's not the way the family would have described you this morning in the car. That's not the way you would have been described in your workplace yesterday. That's not the way you would have been described when you're out with your friends, he says, feed meekness, feed gentleness, feed, here's one, feed patience, feed patience. One of the hardest things you will ever pray is, Lord, teach me patience. Because I'm here to tell you when you pray that prayer, look out, because it's coming. The only way you learn patience is through the struggle and through the hardship. And you're like, okay, thank you, pastor. I will never pray for patience. Yeah, don't worry. It's coming either way, okay? The question is, what side of the coin are you going to be on to learn from this? And are you going to be a person who's feeding and giving air to, Lord, help me with this in my life because I am struggling with long-suffering with people. I am struggling with self-restraint. Lord, help me. He goes on. I think the next two really build out of that. He says, um, bearing with one another or forbearing, what is said in the King James. It means putting up with others. Literally, that's what it means. Lord, teach me how in my patience to get along with, to show grace to, to even put up with others in my walk with Jesus Christ. And then the last one he says is forgiving. Forgiving. Heavy words. Forgiving. Look what it says. Forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you. So you also must forgive. Forgiving one another as the Lord has forgiven you. Really, really, Lord? Like, like you know, that guy's been bugging me for three weeks. Yeah, well, you've been taking him off for 50 years. And he keeps forgiving you. And he keeps forgiving you. But Lord, but Lord, you don't understand. Yeah, I do understand. You hated me and I loved you. You were dead and I made you alive. Forgiving one another. Just as God has forgiven you. It's interesting at the beginning of that verse, it says putting on the new self, or excuse me, um, put on then as God's chosen, verse 12, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. Look at the way that Paul uses the terms he used to describe you. And the words, the terms he describes, he's describing me. Put on then as God's chosen ones, you're holy, you are set apart, you are sanctified, and you are loved. Put on forgiveness. 
And then in verse 14, he says this, and above all these, put on love. Put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. The reality, there's one thing to put on love. You put on love and the rest of these things are all part of what out comes out, but put on love. Is that the way people would describe you? Agape love, doing what's best for other people? Kind of, you're at the place in your life where you can go, love the Lord your God with all your heart and then go and do whatever you want. I'm not there. I'm learning. I'm growing because I still get in the way of that way too much. But above everything else, put on love. Love that speaks the truth. Love that cares. Love that goes beyond. Love that's not looking for a return. Love that sees itself as an investment. He says, put on love. Well, verses 15 to 17 are a right response. And what is the right response to all of this? In verses, these verses, he says, let the peace of God, let the peace of God rule in your heart. Let the peace of God, that word rule means be the final arbitrator. It's kind of like the umpire at the game. You're called out at first place. You can scream and shout all you want. You're out, you're out. Go sit on the bench. You're out. That's how strong this world to let it rule in your life is. It says, let the peace of God rule in your heart. Uh, Paul talked about this in uh, Philippians chapter four. He talked about peace. Philippians 4, 4, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. Okay, God, help me with that verse. A little side for a second. Yeah, help me with that verse. Let your reasonableness be known. Is that, is that the way you would be described? Not me all the time, but let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And so when you're in the middle of it, you get on your knees and you pray and you pray for supplication and you give all kinds of thanks. And what does it say? And the peace of God, which surpasses understanding, all understanding, that will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. When you're going through it and you're on your knees before the Lord and you're crying out to him, asking for help, bathed in thanksgiving, the promise is that the peace of God, which surpasses your understanding, it'll guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you've learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. The peace of God will guard your heart and the God of peace will sustain you through what you're going through. Let the peace of God rule in your heart. And then he says in Colossians, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Let the word of Christ. They would have understood that as the teachings about the Lord Jesus Christ. They would have understood the things that they had learned and seen through Jesus. They would have understood it was the things that now Paul and others are teaching them. Let the word of Christ. They would have also understood the whole Old Testament pointing towards the Lord Jesus Christ. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. See, here's the problem. I fall in my sin and I don't put to death and I don't put away because the oxygen and the food for, for righteousness and for God's glory is found here. It's not found in man's plans. It's not found in what I do. It's fine. Let the word of Christ dwell in you. 
And so if you're only picking up your Bible to come to church on the weekend, the word of Christ, you'll get it when you get here. And if you don't, go find another church. But when you get here, you'll get it. But you can't just eat once a day. I can hardly make it from breakfast to lunch each day. I'm telling us, I think I'm starving. I think I'm starving. And yet people go without the word of God all week long. And they wonder why those things aren't being put to death in their life. And they come to church and they hear me preach. And it's like, he's going to kick me in the head again. Get in the word. Allow God's word to be working in you. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Then he goes on to an interesting thing. He says, um, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. That's part of our job, to help and encourage and spur each other on. But look at the next part. Singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. See, I think people come to church and they think, well, it's okay, I show up a little bit late because the message is really why we come. Well, thank you for coming for the message, but you already missed the theology lesson of worship. You missed it. You missed one of the most important parts of the whole service. The songs that we sing aren't just little ditties that we sing. Just put nice things together so you'll kind of get yourself worked up to hear the word. The words of those songs are very specific and they are teaching us. And so as you sing and as you worship, focus on what is being said and what am I learning? The message is the message. But the worship is the message too. And so he talks about psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. It's not about the style. It's not about the lights. It's not about the drums. I believe in if you study music in the Bible, they use the most up-to-date things they always had. That's what they used. They didn't have electric guitars. They used lyres. They used harps. They used high-sounding cymbals. They clapped their hands. They did what they did. And we might have some lights in the room today. When we get to heaven, there's going to be a glory light show that's going to blow our minds away. It's not about those things, though. It's about the message. It's about what it says. And so our worship is not songs that are all, let's all join hands and feel good about each other. Those songs we sing are songs that are focusing us to God, that we are free, that we are free. We sang about that today. We sang about God's grace today. It's all part of the message that we hear. So he says, let the word of Christ dwell in you and grow in learning and being challenged even by the things you sing. Let the word of Christ. Then he says this, whatever you do in word or deed, whatever you do in word or deed. Wow. Whatever? You mean everything? Everything I say? Yeah, the way you work in the office place, the way, I mean, what you say when you're in the office, what you say when you're in the home, but they're, they're not spiritual things. I'm not talking about Jesus when I'm putting together widgets and, and I'm talking to a buddy about a loan or I'm doing a whatever my life thing is. No, but do your words honor the Lord? Are they still honoring to the Lord? Whatever you say in word, think about your week. The next time you're, you know, if I said this, I could shave off some, whatever you say in word, and then he says, uh, indeed, in word or deed. I don't know why, but on uh, Friday I was writing my message and this is what popped into my head. Deeds speak. Deeds speak. I'm thinking, I should know where that comes from. I should know where that comes from. So I did a Google search. Apparently, deeds speak is the motto of the York Region Police Department. I should have seen it every time I get pulled over by the police. It's on the side of the car, right? Deeds speak, right? Uh, that's their motto. Um, 
You know what? Your deeds, they speak. Your deeds speak louder than your words quite often. Actually, that statement, deeds speak, uh, comes from a larger statement. When deeds speak, words are nothing. Now, you, can, you can be talking about Jesus out of one side, and you can be living in a way that doesn't honor the Lord, and you're confusing people. Let everything you do in word and in deed couple other ways you could say that would be actions speak louder than words or how about this one faith without works is dead do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ a right response well really quickly that brings us to the right result and that's thanksgiving all of this is critical so that we come to the right end we come to the right result and that's that we people of God filled with thanksgiving giving glory to God focused on him James McDonald said this he said gratitude is the attitude that sets the altitude for living great statement Gratitude is the attitude that sets the altitude for living. Are you a person based on who Jesus Christ is and what he has done for you and how he keeps over and over being faithful to you? Are you a person who's filled with gratitude, filled with gratitude because you were not good, you had no hope, and Jesus Christ came and he paid a price You didn't deserve anything, but he poured out for you. You're thankful because everything belongs to him, and you want to give him the glory for all of it. You're thankful because it's God's will. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God. You want to know what God's will for your life is this afternoon? Be thankful to God. Be thankful to God. You can't figure out what school to go to or what job you're supposed to do. God will reveal those things to you, but I'll tell you what, start with this, be thankful to God. You just keep going back. Thankfulness really comes out of looking back and remembering and seeing and focusing on what God has done. Be thankful to him. It's his will. It's commanded in everything, give thanks. Be thankful because you were forgiven and saved. Be thankful because every day God forgives you when you mess that thing up and you've got to come before him and you confess. Be thankful to him because once again, he is faithful to you. Once again, he is faithful to you. Be thankful. Be full of praise. Be disciplined in your thanksgiving when it's hard and you don't want to lean in. Lean in with thanksgiving, and then be thankful because of what's still to come. Be thankful. Well, so what? So what? Do you have a right relationship today? If then you have been raised with Christ. If not, you can trust the Lord Jesus Christ today, and you can be saved. And if you are, then you need to be a person who has a right resolve to seek, to set, to put off, to put on you be a person of God with a right response. Let the peace of God, let the word of Christ, whatever I do with my mouth and with my action, and, and it'll lead me to a right result that I'll be a person of God filled with thanksgiving, filled with praise, seeking to give God the glory. Authentic followers of Jesus Christ. I showed you my passport. It says I'm a Canadian. It says where my citizenship is. And this is a great land to live in, and we are so blessed. But this is so secondary to where my real citizenship is. My real citizenship is in 
heaven. God prepared for me, preparing for me, an amazing place that I will go because of the finished work of Jesus Christ. God helping me in Christ. I'm going to stop feeding the things that don't honor him. I'm going to stop giving oxygen to the things that don't bring him glory. I'm going to make those things we talked about, I'm going after those things. So that I'm a person of God that would be better every day, growing up, glorifying God. And whether I eat or drink or whatever I do, do it all to the glory of God with thanksgiving because of who Jesus is and what he's accomplished. Let's pray. Lord, this is your word and we thank you for it. Thank you for this passage and the reflection of it and the challenge of it, Lord. Maybe somebody here today needs to be broken in their sin. They're feeding it, they're feeding it, they're feeding it and they don't want to do it but they just keep feeding it. They keep giving it oxygen, it keeps burning and And they're not feeding on your word. They're not feeding on the fellowship we have. They're allowing the oxygen of the world to ignite things in them that don't honor you and they're not putting you on the throne. They're not putting you first. God, break us of that. Break me of those things. Then give us a heart to put on the things that would glorify you, that would honor Jesus Christ the Lord. Father, your grace is amazing. Your grace saves me. Your grace keeps me. Teach me to feed on that, Lord. Let that be the oxygen in my life. Let that be what I eat so that whether I eat or drink or whatever I do, I do it all for the glory of God. Thank you for the finished work of Jesus Christ. It is our hope. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the promise that you'll never leave us, you'll never forsake us, as dark as it gets, as hard as it is, you're gonna go with us through and out the other side. And so, Lord, we commit. We commit to being people of God, grateful people, because of who you are and all you've done for us. In Jesus' name, amen.